is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. My name is John and I'm part of the leadership team here in Derby. But this morning I'm speaking to you from Burton-upon-Trent, where I now live, and where we are establishing a new congregation. My very warm greetings to you in both churches, and also a huge welcome to you if you're joining us for the first time on this online platform. They say, I believe, that confession is good for the soul. So let me start this morning by making a confession. I have found preaching to my camera extremely challenging. You see, I knew deep down that it was only going to be a matter of time before this church wheeled out the eldest elder to do a broadcast. The elder who struggles to use any form of social media and the elder who is a total technophobe. But hope was at hand because the technical team have sent me some official guidelines on how to prepare that recording. And I want you to know that I've faithfully done my homework and read through all the detailed instructions given to me by well-meaning techie persons in the church and other dear souls who have trailblazed these broadcasts before me. However, as I attempted to make this recording, there appeared to be so many things that I was told that I couldn't or shouldn't do that I'm not sure if there's any room left for my natural flair and artistic skills to be recognised. So, back to those very specific guidelines for a moment. My wife Julie and I have checked the light and the noise levels and we've checked the background to make sure there's no undergarments found on the radiators. We've also checked the house for DSLRs and Androids, but we cannot find any. However, we haven't been up in the loft yet, so maybe they're lurking up there. I bet they cut that bit out. Seriously though, my grateful thanks to our wonderful tech team who have taken pity on me and have turned the mumblings of an old man into some sense of cohesion, I hope. I wonder if you might indulge me this morning as I recount a period of my life that started some 40 years ago and that's maybe before many of you watching were even born. As I reflected on what I was going to say today, I felt that there was a great relevance in light of the situation we were experiencing in our nation and indeed across the entire world. So here is my very unusual starter question for you this morning. What career path did you, or if you're still to decide, do you want to follow? For me, I had an overzealous careers advisor who, on discussing my options and hearing I had a family pet, a budgie named Dodger, suggested I had the makings of a great zookeeper. I think I might have caught him on a bad day. Anyway, I'd already pretty much had my heart set on becoming a chef. And so, at the age of 17, I left the family home and I started my training in a hotel in Sussex. 
Life was seemingly pleasant, and despite me working there, the hotel started to win some accolades. I was living in very pleasant hotel accommodation, I had a really nice car, the pay was good, and the nightlife was even better. Then to complete my dreams, I met a lovely girl who was later to become my wife. When reading my notes before this recording, my wife said she particularly liked that sentence. So I had all these worldly possessions and dreams of what my future might look like, but at the end of the day, in the quietness of my room with my own thoughts, I still felt terribly empty inside. Surely I kept reasoning with myself. I had everything I needed in life to make me feel happy. So why this overall sense of being discontent? Little did I know that the answer to my question was going to come from an extremely unusual source. Around this time, Julie was working with a Christian lady who informed her that a missionary was coming to speak at a friend's house and would she like to attend? Julie accepted the invite. On the night in question, I'd agreed to come and pick her up and take her to the local disco. I believe this is now referred to as going clubbing, which seems a little more of a violent term to me. As I arrived, Julie came out of the house and she said, John, that's my name, you've got to come in and hear this lady. Despite my reluctance, curiosity got the better of me and I found myself entering the house. The missionary in question, Jackie Pullinger, now married and called Jackie Toe, was speaking to maybe 20 people and was, it seemed to me, to be making some very outrageous claims. Jackie was giving a little background to herself. She had left Britain aged just 22 in 1966 with just eight pounds in her pocket. Why had she done this? Because, she said, she felt God had told her to go to the walled city in Hong Kong and bring the word of God to the triad gangs there. She had no relatives in Hong Kong and no accommodation, but she informed the room that God had provided for her every need. She went on to say that as she prayed in the name of Jesus for gang members who were addicted to heroin, that they came off that drug without any withdrawal. Cold turkey, I think, is the expression used. Then apparently, as word of mouth spread across the walled city, gang leaders who began to see tangible changes in people's lives became Christians themselves. They handed in their knives and guns in exchange for Bibles. The crime rate dropped and the church started to fill up with people seeking the truth. After Jackie had finished speaking, the owner of the house then asked if there was anyone who wanted to accept Jesus as their personal saviour. Well, I guess I could have made my excuses and left, but I knew in that moment that it was important to answer the questions whirling around in my head. And the battle in my mind went something like this. This woman is either the biggest liar and fraud I've heard of in a long time, or this Jesus she claims we can have a personal relationship with is very real. There was no middle ground for me in this deliberation. 
And as Jackie talked about this Jesus being her friend, I saw something in her that I knew with all my possessions and my worldly ambitions I had not got. And that was this amazing contentment and peace that just seemed to emanate from her. And I knew in that moment that this was no charade, no clever sales pitch, but rather the conviction of someone who had experienced an encounter with the living God. The same God who'd sent his son Jesus to die so that we could be saved from our sins, set free and have eternal life. I stood up along with Julie and we went into another room where the host took us both through a prayer of salvation. We both knelt down and asked the same Jesus that Jackie had spoken about to come into our lives. Jim Elliott, another Christian missionary in Ecuador, wrote these words, which pretty much summed up the changes we had just made. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Even after 40 years, I'm still learning that true lasting contentment and peace can only be, ever be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So what about you at this difficult time? Are you managing to find contentment and peace in the midst of this crisis? You see, I fluctuate on a day-to-day -day basis. My emotions can be everywhere. Small things that would normally trip me up do so. And it's at times such as this, when I'm seemingly unable to control my emotions and I've lost my peace, that I need to pray and read my Bible even more than usual. And it was recently in the Bible in the New Testament in a book called Philippians that I came across some remarkable and provoking words from the Apostle Paul. At the time he wrote this book in Philippi, which is now part of Greece, he was under house arrest, chained to a Roman soldier, and he had been in prison for the previous four years. He knew what it was to be in lockdown himself. Philippians 4 verses 11 and 12 say this, and this is Paul speaking. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, written some five years earlier, than the Philippians passage we've just read, it's obvious that he knew what it was to be in need and in want. So how had he learned how to be so content? It seems to me from the passage we are about to read, he had every reason to be discontent. Listen to some of what he experienced during his lifetime. This is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. Paul says, I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 
the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night, a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've laboured and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Well, I'm sure if that was me, I don't think I would have stayed the course. However, there are three things that I think we can discover from Paul in our pursuit of learning to be content in every situation. The first significant clue is found earlier in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, where God calls us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Please listen carefully, as I believe this is so very important for us to understand. The reason that we can always rejoice, even in these darkest of days, is because the command to rejoice is grounded in the person and word of God and not in our circumstances. The reason we can always rejoice, even in these darkest of days, is because the command to rejoice is grounded in the person and the word of God and not in our circumstances. In other words, the reason a Christian can always rejoice is because the substance, the grounds that we rejoice in, are never in our external circumstances, nor are they ever grounded in our internal fluctuating emotions, moods and situations. The basis for rejoicing is the objective and unchangeable person of God himself. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord. The object of our rejoicing is God himself. So firstly, we need to learn how to rejoice in the Lord and then continually do it in spite of our circumstances. Secondly, the key to finding contentment and peace in every situation is that we need to remember the Lord is near or as some translations say, he is at hand. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 and here is why remembering the Lord is near is so key in helping us to be content. If you look closely at chapter 4 verse 6 because in mid-sentence when it says do not be anxious about anything that command do not be anxious is dependent upon the phrase immediately preceding it which is the Lord is near. In other words, the main reason why we don't need to be anxious about anything is because the Lord is always near to us, even when we don't feel it. And I know for myself that when I'm feeling anxious, it can blot out the promises and reality that God is indeed near me. You see, there is never a time or a place where Jesus is not near us in a most intimate way. He's been where you and I are now or ever will be. He knows us, he doesn't despise us, but he loves us through these times. 
So when you and I are in these times of anxiety and when they feel like actual attacks, panic attacks maybe, God intercedes for you. Psalm 121 verses 3 to 4 says this, He, God, will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Thirdly, we should come to him with a spirit of thanksgiving. God wants us to thank him whether or not he immediately delivers us from the storms of life. And that can be hard, I know. Graham covered this aspect of prayer last week on our online broadcast. And he was saying, sometimes God says no or not now. And he says that when he has a better perspective, he has a better plan, or he has a greater purpose. But God still says, come to me with thanksgiving and trust me through these times. Why? It's because he promises his children who are anxious the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And that is the promise. So when anxiety hits our hearts and we are just being overwhelmed with fearful thoughts and you just want to run and hide, God is saying, I'm going to guard you through this time and from those circumstances. Every circumstance that provokes anxiety is guarded with his peace and becomes the very place where we can learn the wonderful struggle to rejoice, to remember God is near and to pray with thanksgiving. In closing, I want you to know that all of these promises are for those who believe in Jesus Christ. He's offering you his contentment and peace today. Will you take it? I believe this morning that some of you that are watching this broadcast are thinking through the same dilemma and questions that myself and Julie faced those 40 years ago. Is this all a hoax or is this Jesus really all the Bible says he is? You have to consider and answer that question in your heart today. My prayer this morning is that you make the same decision as we did and accept Jesus as your personal saviour. If you'd like to do this, a prayer will come up on the screen, which I'm going to read through, and I'm going to ask you to join me as I read it. Dear Lord Jesus, I am sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I'm sorry and repent of my sin, and I turn to you and ask for your forgiveness. I now turn away from the things that are wrong and I look to Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and thank you that you forgave all my sins and set me free from the power of sin in my life. Please come into my heart and fill me with your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, please indicate this at the bottom of the screen and the member of our hosting team will talk this through with you. Please note that if you're a woman, a female member of our team will tie up with you. And if you're a guy, another man will chat with you. God bless you today 
and for the days ahead and thank you for watching.